Hello and welcome to Real Heart Talk. You are enough. We have Katherine Barner. She is a grief and trauma expert, a Bible teacher, author, and licensed psychotherapist. She is a sought-after national speaker, equipping audiences with the mental, emotional, and spiritual tools to live the life they desire and deserve. She loves pointing others to the grace of God rooted in the truth of scripture. And as a Bible teacher, Catherine exhorts women to remember true identity and healing is found in Christ, not culture or past circumstances. She specializes in helping individuals break free after significant loss, as well as childhood sexual abuse, to discover hope and healing on their road to discovery. So happy to have you tonight to add so much to our listeners. Welcome, Catherine. Well, thank you so much, Pam, for having me. I am excited uh, to be chatting with you this evening. I really appreciate you. Yes, I appreciate you and the value that you're going to add. I mean, you're a psychotherapist. You are a Bible teacher. And so how do you mix that? Do you mix that together in your (laughs) workshops to help the women? Give us a little share. (laughs) Absolutely. I I will. And I'll tell you, I I have to be honest. I've struggled. I haven't always been as comfortable doing that. I have to be honest about that. For a very long time, I struggled with merging those two worlds of, of those two parts of myself that professional side. And then, you know, of course, just my core, the Jesus side, I'll call it. Um, But I'm thankful that God has brought me through a process where I understand and I've gotten to a place where I'm able to really help women understand that we, you know, we, we hear it all the time that we can't do anything without him. um, But we, we so often try to do it without him. And so I'm grateful that I get an opportunity to to help women really take a look at the hard um, things that happen in their life and then allow them to view it through the lens of Christ and the lens of what he has said about us and the lens of scripture uh, to give us hope and to give us healing so we can move to the point of transformation in our lives, because ultimately that's what it's all about. Um, so again, I haven't always done a good job of merging those two worlds, um, but I'm I'm grateful to have gotten to this space where God has moved me to this space where um, I see it. And you know, Jesus and therapy is a wonderful thing, and and God is God ain't mad at us because we are talking about the very real things that are going on in our lives and and how we move through that. So. No, I love that. Professional faith. Hey, we got it going on. That's it. That's it. (laughs) So um, I see that. Well, one question I want to ask is about the origin of your story. I know that you're an author and you have a book. God help me. I'm grieving. So what what is the origin of your story or what prompted you to dive into grief and and, uh, helping people through that? Yeah, I tell you, you know, I often say, as I think with with most speakers and, and writers, it, it's a typically born out of our own experience, and that was the case for me, particularly in the grief space. As you mentioned, I'm I'm a psychotherapist by trade. I've worked in the mental health field for over 25, 26 years now. Um, you know, that is my undergrad degree. That's my graduate work. So that's what I was taught. Um, And so I worked with people for many, many years who were moving through grief, who experienced loss and that sort of thing. But it was not until my mother passed away that I it became really real for me. Um, And she passed away 12 years ago, just this past September. And I, I often say that my mother was my everything. 
Um, I mean, she was, she was my girl. She was my friend. I mean, she was everything. And so when she passed away, I went through a period where I honestly did not know how I was going to go on with life. I didn't know what my life was going to look like. I, I couldn't figure out what the heck was supposed to happen because my everything was gone. And, and I, I said to people, you know, as much as I knew professionally about grief and about helping people move through and about counseling and all the things, and even what I knew from the spiritual lens of my own walk with God, I came to a point where I recognized if I know all that I know, and I've worked with as many people as I have, and I'm struggling the way that I'm struggling, what in the world is everybody else doing? And that's really what prompted me to write the book. And it was really just wanting to give people something tangible that they could hold on to really in those difficult moments to say, okay, I get it. I'm not going crazy. I'm not losing my faith. I, th this is what this is. Really try to help make sense of it. It's it's a small book. It's an easy read. I didn't want it to be real heady with a lot of psychological you know, mumbo jumbo but really something that someone particularly in the early stages and, and as they move through grief could just grab a hold to and go, okay, this, this makes sense to me until they could get to the next level. And that, that next level being whether that's going to see a counselor or just moving to the next phase, whether it's reading the book again or, or getting to the next period in their grief. And so that, that's really what got me into the grief space, if you will. Mm -hmm. I'm so sorry to hear about your mom. Well, I appreciate that. I'm on the other side. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. I mean, that is, it is a process though, that you have to move through for sure. And Without a lot a of people are going through it, not just maybe with a parent, but it could be any loved one or even a thing. It could be a job loss. It could be a lot of different loss. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you said that because that's what I talk about, you know, in the book, I, I talk about grief from the lens and help people understand that grief is about loss. And so that does, that is, we typically think about it in terms of death, but I talk about it in loss of relationships, whether that's a divorce, whether that's a separation, whether that's just the end of a long relationship, whether that's the end of a friendship that you've had for a long time. Talk about job loss, talk about illness and all of those sorts of things. Talk about natural disasters. Anytime there's been a significant loss in our lives, we can move through a period of grief and we have to give ourselves, I always say, the grace and the space to do that in whatever way we need to. So in your professional opinion, <laughs> I know this is different for everybody, but like, what is like a normal length of time? <laughs> that, that's an excellent question. And you're right. I, I always say, you know, I tell people it takes as long as it takes for you. But in general, um, I like to talk about in these terms, it takes at least a year for you to honestly be really begin doing the work because if you think about it it takes a year to get through what i call all the first you got to get through the first birthday the first set of holidays the first anniversary the first anniversary of the death the, like all the things you've got to move through the first time without either that person or that experience or that thing that was lost in your life and so then after that then you you tend you kind of start to maybe feel your sea legs uh, if you will and then start to really doing some work to get to healing I love that. I never really thought about that, that first year being the first of everything. I mean, even yeah. though when you're going through it, it is. Right. Don't think of it that way. So exactly. that's a good point.
So also in you in your book, you teach a break formula when working with individuals. Do you want to share a little bit about that, what that means? Sure. I, I talk about this a lot. Um, I, I use it within the grief space, but I talk about it a lot when I'm working with trauma. And you can you can really inter um, intermingle it, but it's a break formula and it's, it's the acronym for break, B-R-E-A-K. Um, and so the B stands for believe yourself and believe in yourself, because oftentimes when we're going through situations, particularly if it's been a trauma or difficult situation, there are times where, where we're kind of like, did that, did, did, did that really happen to me? And did it really happen the way that I think it happened and that sort of thing? So it's believing, believing yourself and then believing in yourself. And what I mean by that is so oftentimes when we experience difficult seasons in life, we we often say, I, I can't do this or I can't get through this or this is too hard. And what mm -hmm. I tell people is you can do hard. And the reason I know you can do hard is because no matter what you've been through up until this point, if you're sitting in front of me and you are still breathing, you can do hard. Now, does that mean that we may need to do some work to help you heal? Yes, but but you've come through it. No matter how you got through it, bad decisions, good decisions. So you know how to do hard. You just have to believe in yourself and believe that you can learn how to do this version of hard, whatever that may be for you. So that's the break, the, the B, believe yourself, believe in yourself. Um, the R is it's a play on the word right, um, where I talk about righting the wrong. So you literally write out what your experience has been. Um, particularly with, again, with individuals who've experienced trauma and lost, some, lost those significant things, writing it out, because oftentimes we, we will just say that this thing happened to me, or I experienced this thing, we'll just kind of, we'll give this part of the story. But there's something very powerful in literally writing out the detail of it. What did it feel like? What did I experience? Getting all of that out of our head and our hearts onto paper. And there's another reason why we do that moving along, because when we do that, then we're able to identify the lies that Satan tells us about what happened to us that tend to keep us keep us bound in that as well. So that's the R. Um, the E is to enlist your support system. Um, so I talk about helping people identify who's in your support network, who they are, how to how to pick those people out, how to you know identify what their support roles are in your life. Everyone isn't uh, equipped to handle the weight of your story. So being able to identify that. Um, the A is is accepting and assigning forgiveness and accepting forgiveness uh, for yourself and then assigning forgiveness to people who may who you may need to give that to. And so there's a lot of teaching that we do around forgiveness not being um, not being an out for anyone, but forgiveness being something for yourself so that you are no longer being bound by and holding someone, uh, them beholden to what they've done to you. And then finally, the K is knowing that you are worthy. Um, so oftentimes when we move through difficult seasons and difficult circumstances, going back to kind of why we write it out, Satan has a way of, of rewriting the script that we say to ourselves. And Satan has a way of coming in and infusing us with, with lies when we're not able to see clearly. So being able to knowing that we that you have worth, knowing that you have value and knowing that you are worth doing the work. So that's the formula uh, that I like to use and I'm working with people to help them uh, move through and, and be, get to the road of getting to healing. It's a starting point for a lot of people to be able to do that. 
Yes, I love that because by following all those steps, you're breaking through those limiting beliefs, you know, those things that are holding you back. And most of the time it it's in your own self. It starts within you. You've got to let that go. To Absolutely. Forward. You got to get that stuff out. I love it because I mean, it just reminds, I was doing my checklist. This is going through this because I have my own experience in 2019 and it, it is a process. It takes a while to get through that, to get your confidence back, to create that sustainability. But I went through every single one of these, yeah. <laughs> every single one of these steps, even writing all the, forgiveness notes to myself to the people yes you know, and, um, I love it yeah so and you brought back to my mind I'm gonna have to go find it a long time ago I, I'm a survivor of domestic violence and I wrote a song called writing my wrong mm. and you just brought that back to my mind when you said that that is so amazing I love that yeah okay so another thing you have in your book God help me I'm grieving mm -hmm is the three P's of grief. Yes. So what, what about those? How do they help people? Yeah. So the three P's are, I help, and this is kind of a starting point. I often tell people, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. So the three P's of grief is that grief is perfectly normal and helping people to understand that because so oftentimes when we're moving through periods of grief, particularly as it relates to death, we have people say things just like it's been too long or you you should be over it by now or he or she wouldn't want you you know, to, to be crying. So all of those things. And if we are still in a place of emotional, of dealing with the emotions of the loss and someone says that, we can think something, well, what's wrong with me? And so then we can begin to stifle our growth and, and our healing and it impairs us as opposed to really being able to help us. So understand that grief is perfectly normal. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not going crazy. You don't have, you know, it's not that your faith is lacking and, and Jesus is mad at you. You're grieving and it's okay. Um, the second P is that grief is personal, meaning that grief is going to look different on each one of us. There are some, some things that, that tend to be the same across the board, but we're all very different individuals and we move through things differently. Um, we're all created. We really are each a unique individual, the way that God has created us. And so grief is going to look different on each one of us. And so it's important to know your own style of grief. And it's also important to recognize that the people that you love and are in relationship with may not do it the same way. And that's okay. Um, so that cuts down on arguments and, you know, fussing and fighting. The example I use is, you know, if a parent has passed away and one sibling goes back to work the next week and the other sibling can't go to work for two weeks, it doesn't mean that someone loved mom or dad anymore, any less. It just means that this is the way that we tend to grieve. Uh, and that has to be okay. And then the third one is that grief is a process. And that's simply recognizing that it's kind of what we talked about just a moment ago. It's going to take time. Whenever you have been in relationship, particularly with an intimate relationship with another human being, it's going to take time to unravel that. Um, and so we have to give ourselves that time and that space to move through the process uh, the way that we need to so that we can ultimately get to healing. So those are the three P's that I like to teach people to help help give them just a bit of understanding so that they don't put so much pressure on themselves and that they don't put pressure on other people uh, when they're not doing it quote, the right way, according to whatever the right way is. I know that's what I was just thinking. Uh, it kind of helps you understand or at least respect where other people are since we all do handle things differently. Because for me, 
work is my comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever's happening, I could go work 24 seven or I think I'm perfectly fine. I know <laughs> I'm really not doing the self-care thing like I need to, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> so another question, most people have heard of the stages of grief, but in your book, you refer to that in a different way and God help me, I'm grieving. So is it, is it using these formula, formulas you've already get, given us or is it a different? Yeah, so, it, so it's a little bit different uh, just in terms of when we hear about the stages of grief, um, as when we talk about them, what I share, share with people is, so if you hear that the acronym you can use is DABDA. And so it's denial, anger, bargaining, uh, acceptance, and uh, denial and acceptance. And so that's traditionally what we think of when we talk about the stages of grief. But what I try to help people understand is that when we say that, oftentimes it it has this this connotation that we're going to move through these five stages, one, two, three, four, five. When we get to five, we put a nice neat bow on it. We wrap that baby up and it's over. But that's not how grief works. (laughs) And so I talk about it in terms of waves as opposed to stages, because this idea of waves being, you know, something that that may come and wash over you. And sometimes the example I often give is is this when I'm teaching is that, you know, imagine you're out, you know, you're in Hawaii and you're going surfing. And so you go out on the surfboard and you're kind of paddling and there's a small wave that's like nothing. I can take this. And so you go out a little bit further. Maybe you get on your knees. There's another medium-sized wave that comes along it kind of shakes you but you still got it but then the further out you go there may come this large wave that literally flips you off the board you know you're under the water trying to figure just trying to figure out which way is up you're gasping for air choking half to death you're just trying to get back to to some air that's the way grief really is as we move through the process of the back and forth particularly that first year of all of the first that's more how we experience grief than this one two three four five stage and nice neat bow it tends to come in waves and we take them as they come plus on that third wave you may be fearful a shark's gonna come get you (laughs) and then there's that part too Well, I love that you have your book and where can people find your book? Yeah. So the book, I always say anywhere fine books are sold, but you can find it um, on Amazon. You can order Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million. Uh, you can order it on my website at katherinebarner.org. Um, but literally anywhere that, that people find their books, you can find it either in the bookstore. They can certainly order it for you. Uh, it is available. That is awesome. Now, do you also do a workshop that goes through the grief or loss process? What is your workshop about? Share that. So, so yeah, so so I do a living beyond loss course, um, and we do that. I love to do it live because there are a lot of interactive uh, things that we do. It is an eight hour. A workshop where we really go through the stages of grief. We dig deep into a lot of the concepts in the book that I, I don't go much deeper into. Um, we do a lot of work around really doing some practical things and helping people uncover um, what it really means to get on the road and begin healing some of those losses. I mean, so that is something that we do live. We're in the process of actually 
uh, making that available uh, virtually. I'll be perfectly honest with people. I don't like doing it virtually because there's just a magic that happens in the room uh, when people are face-to-face, -face, particularly when we're doing those activities. So we're looking at um, putting together uh, what we're calling, a, a, as weird as it sounds, uh, a grief tour of uh, the end of, we'll call it the second quarter of the year into the third quarter of the year, but where we'll be traveling to uh, churches and just putting that on and helping people really get to a point of healing. So if anyone out there is listening and they would like for me to come to their church, feel free to contact me and I'll be more than happy to have my team talk to you about doing that because I absolutely love doing that training. As weird as that sounds, I love doing that training. <laughs> well, I think that's great that you're bringing it to the masses, right? Because a lot of people are introverts or they don't want to be vulnerable and share what they've been through. But yeah, when you bring this to them, they're mm -hmm. in their comfort zone, in their sanctuary, in their church or fellowship, exactly. or wherever, and it's a more comfort zone for them to right. just and, start dealing with it. Yeah, and there really is, and I like to tell people, there really is something beautiful about healing and community, because the reality is God, God designed us to operate and to live in community. He really did not design us to be in isolation. And so part of it, too, is breaking away um, that the natural inclination that many of us have, which is to kind of hide away when we're hurting and not be with other people. But there's a beautiful, beautiful thing that happens when we're able to be vulnerable and hurt in community, but also find healing within community as we're sharing stories and moving through it together. So speaking of that, do you have one nugget that you could share that would help someone just move into that community space and just out of that box and just push forward. Yes. Um, you were not designed to be a lone ranger Christian. Um, way, way, way back in the day, um, uh, the old Western, I think, I mean, I was a little girl and the old Western with, um, was it, was it Tonto and, uh, and, and this, and the lone ranger, Yes. Lone Ranger, he he even had Tonto. And so, yeah. but we were not designed to be Lone Ranger Christians. We were designed to operate in community. That is the way God created us. Um, and that's what he desires for us to find healing and for us to help one another as we move through our healing journeys. I love that. And so honestly, that is just a lie of the devil. When Absolutely. he makes you feel like you need to be alone. Yes. Just a lie. Well, yeah, because because we think if he can get us alone, then he has more opportunity to do what he does best, which is to to deceive us uh, and to feed us those lies that that he twists with us. I often talk about in these terms, if if I am sad and I am depressed, but I'm by myself and the only person I'm talking to about being sad and depressed is me, I don't have very much to give me. But when I can come out of that and operate with at least one other individual who can challenge what it is that I may be thinking and feeling that's not in line with what God has said to me about myself and about my situation, then I can start to come out of it. But if if the only thing I've got to fight is me and I don't have very much to give me, then Satan has a wonderful opportunity to come in and twist because he only needs, you know, a nugget to come in and twist what God has said. And then then he's got me and he can hold me bound in that. And that is the fact that he can only twist it. He can't change the word. Yeah, that's it. Start speaking the word out loud. That has power and miracles will break out. Yes. Yes, indeed. So one final question. 
Yes, ma'am. And we kind of touched on this a little bit, but mm -hmm. I like that you use faith defense. So you mentioned having a faith defense. So what is that? <laughs> yes, I, I love this part of the, this part of the training as well. This, this is where I I have folks go to scripture, and this is to to combat um, this idea that if I grieve, if I hurt, if I cry too long, that somehow that means that I am not as strong of a Christian. Somehow that means that my faith is weak. Somehow that means that God is not pleased with me or God is upset with me. And so what I do in building that faith defense is have people literally, we walk through scripture and we, we find what I call our faith siblings in scripture and point out where they had difficult seasons and difficult moments as well, but God still used them. God still healed them. God still responded to them. And so if he did it for them, he can most certainly do it for us. Um, the one that I love to point to the most is Job and pointing out that, you know, in Job chapter one, the world is a beautiful place, but about midway through, you know, it all falls apart and he loses literally everything. We get to, you know, to Job chapter two and he's sitting there with his friends and, you know, they're good for the first seven days and then they bless their hearts. They can't take it anymore. They start talking crazy. But, <laughs> but, but I tell people that in the we love to quote that part in Job one where he says, you know, um, um, naked I came into this world and then naked, you know, naked I shall be blessed be the name of the Lord. This this really spiritual strengthened Job, and even though he's gone through all these things, but I love to take people from there because from about chapter two until you know we get to about chapter forty or so in Job. I mean, Job he's upset now. He doesn't curse God and die as Miss Joe wants him to. And right. I'll get to her in a minute. But but I mean, he has some things to say to God. I mean, he's like, God, if, if you were going to do this, like, really, dude, why, why even let me be born? So I like to to walk people through that and help them to see that Job struggled as well. But God wasn't upset with him because when we get to the end of the book, we see that God restored everything that he had. Even when we talk about, I like to call her Miss Job and her, you know, she had a lapse in, you know, in judgment. And we can all agree that she probably shouldn't have said what she said the way she said it. But I, I like to remind people that everything that Job lost in chapter one, she lost too. Those were her 10 children too. So that was part of her grief and part of her process. So in building our faith defenses, being able to look back and see, okay, I, uh, I may be struggling a bit the same way that Job did, the same way that Miss Job did, but they walked their process through the same way that I have to walk my process, my process through and God still blessed them in the end. He didn't, he didn't throw them away. He wasn't angry with them. He didn't, you know, drop the hammer on them. He still loved them through that. And then the other one I like to point to is first Thessalonians four and 13, where Paul says that I, I don't want you to grieve as those who don't have hope. He doesn't say don't grieve. He just says, don't grieve as though you don't have hope. And so helping people understand that grief isn't the issue. That's that's really okay. But just remember that you have a hope. And what is that hope? That hope is in Jesus. And that we're ultimately going to not to see to see him and to be with him uh, in the end. And all this stuff that we got to deal with and struggle and hurt is ultimately going to end. So that's the idea of the faith defense and just finding um, faith siblings throughout scripture to hold on to in those times where um, we may think, feel, and believe that, you know, that God's upset with us. He's not, he, he's still there. He's okay. He's still holding us. He's still there to comfort us. He's left us his Holy Spirit and 
other people to be in community with. I love that. And I love the story of Job because in two, that chapter two, it does say that he prayed for his friends and that's when God restored double. Yes. Those people. And God knew, I mean, he trusted Job. He knew what he could endure. He knew. Exactly. He knew it. Mm -hmm. And that I love too, that you're going through getting that evidence because that's evidence. The word doesn't change. And Probably if we sat down and look back over the things God has done for us, we have evidence in our own life, not just in the Bible. Absolutely. We do. God, God's, I always tell people to, to trace God's track record in your life. It, 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 is, it is likely not whatever situation you may be experiencing, whether it's grief and loss, whether it's trauma, whatever it is, it is likely not the first time in your life that something has been hard and difficult and you thought that you weren't going to make it through that, but you did. And so the fact that you did says that God is able to do difficult things and do things you, that you think he can't, which means he can do this difficult thing that you think he can't. So tracing his track record in our lives is so important to continuing to build our faith so that we have a hope in him and not, not a hope that's about wishing that something's going to happen, but a hope that is certain that it's going to happen because of his track record. Exactly. Knowing it because he will do it. He's not a man. He's going to do it. That's it. If he said it, it's going to happen. Exactly. I believe that too. Well, I've so enjoyed this talking with you. I just feel like we could go on all night. I know. (laughs) Yes. You got me started now. This is, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Catherine. And where can everyone find you? Where do you want them to connect with you? Absolutely. They can connect with me on all social media. It is at Miss Cat Speaks. So that's M-R-S-K-A-T Speaks on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, My website is CatherineBarner.org. You can connect with, with me there as well. Amazing. Well, I sure appreciate you being on. And I know that this episode is going to help a lot of our listeners to learn more about loss and also they may participate in your workshop. I would love that if, if they, um, you know, needed that extra help and guidance. Absolutely. I love it. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. And thank you listeners and stay tuned for our next episode. Thank you for joining us today on the 360 network for women and real heart talk podcast. We're so happy you could join and hope you stay tuned for the next episode.